0: everyone this is Allison Lee your host here at craftcast.com and on today's show I'll be talking to the publisher and editor of the Polymer Arts Magazine Ms. Sage Bray. Lots of fun talk you'll want to hear plus all kinds of other things to share so let's get started. Show number 194.
1: Starting the day again oh yeah letting the sun shine in oh oh I'm going to dig within myself. Uh Uh-oh. Life may be never what you think, but I think I'll just go with it and create something new.
0: Well, hello, hello, hello. It's been a while since I've done a podcast. I've been busy over at craftcast.com. We do live shows there and all kinds of events, but I miss doing the podcast as well and interviewing great guests. And I have someone great coming up shortly. Uh, but just a few things, uh, that catch you up on. Oh, if you haven't been over to the Craftcast site, www.craftcast.com, check it out. All new and fresh. Love a good, fresh design. Uh, and lots of new categories. Uh, Any of you who are into the silhouette cutter, we have, I can say this, the best classes on how to use a silhouette cutter for all kinds of materials. So uh, check that out. Uh, Even if you've just been thinking about or want to know about the silhouette cutter, uh, we're cutting metal clay, polymer clay, paper, you name it. Uh, Wonderful teachers over there. So check that out. And what else has been going on with me here? Well, you know, on the East Coast, it hasn't been a big snowy winter. Uh, I loved, we had one day of snow that was, I don't know, they were calling it snowmageddon. It wasn't that big. It only lasted one day. Uh, But there's some reason for me, I have an equation where snow equals time to bake cookies. (laughs) I I don't know why, but... So I did. And I have to say, I had so much fun. I made cardamom shortbread worth checking out. I'm sure you can Google a recipe. And then it said in the recipe to crush your own cardamom, which I was, do what? Well, lo and behold, when I pulled out that jar of cardamom pods, you sort of crack them open, a little like a pistachio. And then I pulled out a mortar and pestle that I had that hadn't been used in, I don't know how long, if ever. And I have to say that was worth making the cookies to grind that up and smell that smell. And it was fun. It was sort of adding arts and crafts into cooking. So, uh, and then of course I ate them all end of story made cookies, ate them all and the snow melted. Ta-da. That's that story. (laughs) But what else is going on? Oh, I want to share a magazine that I love. Uh, I talked about, I think, once Flow magazine. If I didn't, go check that out. But I was cruising around in Barnes and Noble, Barnes and Noble, and there's something about uh, how do I explain these magazines? You know, I was a magazine junkie my whole life. I had a closet dedicated to all the magazines I collected, all the fashion magazines, home style magazines, uh, back when I was in advertising and fashion and it gave me a lot of joy to sit down with magazines. And so now we've been digital, but it is nice to pick up a actual copy. This one's called Frankie. Uh, you can go over to craftcast.com and check out all the links for this podcast. Uh, it's published in Australia. They do have an app, which I have to say, I bought a copy and I also bought a digital copy because I don't think they get updated that fast here in this country. Uh, It's enjoyable, and here's why. It's the kind of magazine you sit down with, you know, something you want to drink. Mine is a, uh, what I call a flat white homestyle made. Uh, And cruise through and see what other artists are doing, color palettes, just all kinds of goodies is all I can say. It's just, it's a lovely break from everything else in life, so... If you're into that type of magazine and just sort of, you know, reading about artists, seeing different things that you don't know about, supplies and what people are doing, especially in another country. That's been a passion of mine since I was a Girl Scout. And I used to have at eight years old pen pals in Australia and England. And we'd share what we were making and all of that. And it just makes me happy. So I'm sharing that with you. Uh, Check that out. It's called Frankie. You know, it's printed on all that beautiful paper. So there you go. Uh, And so now today's guest. Oh, I had fun talking with Sage. Sage Bray, artist, has a magazine, another great magazine to go look at and enjoy, the Polymer Arts magazine. We had a lot of great fun blabbing, so you're going to hear that coming up next. And just before that, I have a piece of music to enjoy by Matt Fisher. It's called Put On a Light. <laughs> yep, I agree with that. So enjoy Put On a Light by Matt Fisher and then come on back and I'll be chit chatting with Ms. Sage Bray. Well, I'm excited. Today, I'm always excited to talk to my guests. I have great people that are come on and share everything. And today's guest is Sage Bray. She's the publisher and editor of the Polymer Arts Magazine, beautiful magazine. So I'm excited to talk to you today. Sage, welcome. Thank you for coming well, on and chatting. You. It's always fun to talk to other artists. So when, what I love to know is, because I, I love to know, when did people decide or think they were an artist? Do you remember when you
2: <laughs> thought that? Um. It was in junior college, actually, and I don't know that I necessarily consider myself an artist as well as much as an aspiring artist. Um, I was actually a writer; I've been a writer all my life, and um, I took art classes as kind of an aside. Um, but I had a had a particular professor at this college that just insisted that I was an artist and not a writer. <laughs> Really, that I I finally took them seriously. Yeah, (laughs) thought okay, well maybe. And then I changed to an art degree because I decided I didn't really need to get a degree to write since I'd been doing it all my life and had already been published at the time. Um, And then, of course, I went back to my uh, for my master's in writing. So I've gone back and forth between the two since that would have been when I was like about nineteen.
0: Well, now, what did the teachers see in you as an artist? Do you know?
2: Um. That's probably a really good question to ask him. <laughs> um, personally, for me, I knew that I just I was very intense when I worked in the classroom. Um, and I, I think for him it was mostly that I had a very particular eye. Um, I could I could be given an assignment and pretty much do anything um, I was given right away without mm-hmm. a lot of exploration when it came especially when it came to doing realistic, drawing and that type of thing. Oh, that was, okay. that was um, an, easy, an easy skill for me. So you were always able to always, draw, in other words? Yeah, I, but I didn't actually have a tremendous amount of interest in drawing realistically. Um, I used to do photorealism, but then people thought it was a photograph, and that was very disappointing because I'd spend 40 hours doing a drawing, and then people would think it was just a photograph anyway, so I'm like, well, I could have just taken a picture of somebody and been done in in a minute. Okay, wait,
0: hold on a second. So you could draw at that level just as a natural gift? Yeah,
2: um, yeah, it was, um, one of the things in terms of seeing imagery as an artist is to be able to take everything down to its individual parts, Um, and that's something that's very uh, automatic for me, apparently, so... um, being able to do that and see things in terms of its parts or its textures and not the whole, which is what makes it hard for a lot of people to draw realistically, is because they keep thinking of the whole thing instead of looking at all the individual parts. Hmm. That was easy and straightforward for me, and I could do that. Uh, but it wasn't a challenge. It wasn't a challenge. So, um, and f- spending forty hours on something for someone for something that people thought was a photograph was not feeling like a a particularly productive use of my time. <laughs> You know, that's
0: really fascinating because I I started with saying to myself, I didn't draw, but Mm -hmm. I still felt I was an artist. But do you remember that time? Like so many people have a hard time saying, I'm an artist. They make, like you said, inspiring artists or something. Was there a time when you finally just said, no, I'm an artist?
2: Um, Probably actually when I came to Polymer. Before then, I always felt like I was aspiring to do something, but I hadn't found my place. Okay. and until I found something that I felt this was my medium and I was able to express what I want to express with it, I could do a lot of different things and I did a lot of different artwork and I did have a couple of gallery shows and things like that, but nothing was very focused right. until I came to polymer. And when I felt focused and felt like I was at home with my material, then I felt like I could say I was an artist because I was not trying to figure out what I was doing anymore as much as... Exploring doing it in this in this realm, and I was doing it exactly so but it is hard to say I'm an artist because you feel like you're um, You're not being particularly modest <laughs> By calling yourself that but you're the only one that can exactly that. yeah, yeah,
0: exactly well now How did you discover? Polymer because I love it when people talk about then I discovered cooking <laughs> Then I discovered <laughs> photography, you know It's like how did that happen?
2: Um, actually, I was going through my divorce, and I was having a horrible time. And I've uh, one of my dearest friends, who actually lives in my house now, um, just literally grabbed my hand and put these blocks of clay in here and says, you need to play with this. Because wow. I, I needed a direction. I needed something to, to get away from everything that I was dealing with. So he made me play with it. And I thought, oh, that's pretty cool. I made a few things, and I put it away. And uh, and then a few months later, um, in my in my family, we don't buy... Um, expensive presents for each other for Christmas, we get we, we buy um, presents for other unfortunate families because we're this ginormous family anyways, and who needs 50 gifts, you know. Um, right. But we make little things for each other, and I thought, oh, I need to make something for my brother-in-law. That was my person I was going to make something for that, that year, and I wanted to do a chess set. And I thought, oh, I could use that clay stuff my friend gave me. And, no uh, way. You made a chess and set? I, I made a chess set. Um, But it took a lot of research, and having been a freelance writer for the last couple decades, research is what I do. And, of course, in the course of doing that, I ran into so much stuff about polymer, and it just blew my mind, and that was it. And I had just gotten a, a corporate job, my first corporate job ever, getting paid all kinds of money, and seven months later I quit because I didn't have enough time to do my polymer, so I just became addicted within half a year and, and went off to be a full-time artist and back to freelancing because, strangely enough, that made that made money. <laughs> well, now, wait. I'm still on the chess set. Did you complete the chess set? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. I made a complete chess set. And uh, all I did was uh, f- uh, sculpt in black clay and use mica powders on it. So um, not, not, not a high-level um, change, but sculpting was something I had done in art school. So that was not a difficult thing to approach. Did he love it? Oh, he loved it. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, really, if someone made a chess set for me out of polymer clay, that's like, <laughs> holy smokes. Well, I love that. So that's a good discovery. So now, did you then research and find all the other people who are doing polymer? Did you have an idol back then immediately that you said, oh, I love what they're doing?
2: Um, I had a lot. I had a lot. Well, I mean, people were doing just incredible, amazing things. Um, I remember being amazed by what Laura Timmons was doing, Um, and the reason she stands out was because the first um, issue of the magazine, I went to a show, um, a craft show in Las Vegas, and actually walked up and saw her booth, and and I'm not a fan-ish kind of person. I don't freak out when I meet people that Mm -hmm. are famous or whatever, because I grew up in L.A. and Mm -hmm. actually had famous friends and whatnot, but I saw her, and I freaked out. (laughs) That was the first time I'd ever done that, but it just meant a lot to me to see somebody and see their work in person Mm -hmm. um, that had inspired me to start out with. So that's the only person that comes to mind, but there are so many people. I mean, Kathleen Dustin and Jeffrey Lloyd Dever, Mm -hmm. um, just Mm -hmm. the level of their craft was um, astounding and made me want to keep working at it to be that good someday, hopefully.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah. Now you just said you grew up in LA Uh huh. and so, and you said something that's also interesting. You have famous friends where being in, I lived in LA for a while and it's just normal to have people, everyone's in the business, you know, the mm-hmm, entertainment yes. business. How do you think that influenced you artistically?
2: Um, I, it drove me away from LA actually. <laughs> and that's, uh, that's, um, the, the people that I knew here and the lifestyle here is not me. Um, and I say here cause I'm actually in Southern California right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I just wanted out as soon as possible, and uh, as soon as I finished undergraduate school um, in Southern California, I moved to Albuquerque, New Mexico, because um, it, was, it was the least populated place in the United States that still had a lot of culture mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, at that time. That was in the early 90s, so um, I went there, and that's actually where I've gotten a lot of, I believe, a lot of my influence in terms of colors uh, that I choose uh, my preference for things that have um that look aged or decayed or whatnot. Um and then the the tendrils and the spiky um uh formations that I add to my work. A lot of that came from driving around the desert in New mm-hmm. Mexico, which I mm-hmm. would do every time I had two days off. Mm-hmm. Just drive, look at everything and take it all in. So that
0: so. that can be inspiring for
2: sure. That is
0: exquisite oh, out amazing. there. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Sort of endless inspiration. Oh, absolutely. Do you, could you put a name or a label or a, some kind of even one word on your style, the kind of style you think you have in your work?
2: Oh, um, I, I'm i not sure. It's still, my work is still evolving. I haven't had a lot of time to personally explore what I do the last few years because of the magazine mm-hmm. um, and the publications that we're trying to get off the ground from there. Um, but... I'm working on a a series, uh, mostly in design right now, that I'm just um, calling Beautiful Decay, Mm
3: -hmm, Um, mm
2: -hmm. and that does kind of explain a lot of where my inspiration comes from. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. I love the idea that everything that's old has a story or or multiple stories behind Mm -hmm. it, and I like representing that. Um, A lot of my previous work represented stories that had more to do with myth and fantasy. And Mm. um, that was in part due to the artistic world that I was selling to because it was an easy in for me at the time. I had a lot of friends in it. Mm -hmm. Um, But pulling away from that, um, I'm finding myself much more into looking at the way things um, have changed over time. And usually that ends up being represented by some kind of decomposition or Mm -hmm. breakdown or or weathering, or, or something like that. Um, so a single word, I'm not sure what that would be. Well, I like, <laughs> um, I think, beautiful old. decay. Two, <laughs> the, two, two, two words, let's put it that way. Beautiful decay That's
0: is perfect. Words. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Well, now, let's talk about the magazine. So now, how did that start, the Polymer Arts magazine, and what's your passion behind that?
2: Well, um, I having worked in a number of other mediums before, uh, and... Um, and being a writer. Um, I paid a lot of attention to the periodicals in the individual arenas that I had worked in, and almost all of them had some kind of uh, periodical that highlighted the better work in that medium. Mm -hmm. And Polymer didn't have that. Um, And i would come to a point after about a year and a half of of working on my own work um, and freelancing, and I had gotten to a uh, point in my work—actually, it was a couple of years—but, anyways, um, I'd gotten to a point where I was either going to have to start really pushing gallery work um, to, to make the kind of money I would need to to actually survive, mm-hmm. um, or do or do wholesale, which meant making the same things over and over again, which I'm not very good at, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, um, or or going back to freelancing full time. And um, so I was balancing these ideas when I had a number of conversations online with some other people in various groups, um, the polymer clay Etsy group in particular, Um, and then lamenting the fact that the only periodical that they really had was Polymer Cafe, which absolutely has its place and have nothing against it whatsoever, Um, but it is a very beginner's type of magazine, Mm -hmm. and all of those who were moving beyond that felt like they had nothing really to challenge them. And I thought, well, I could do a magazine. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, I put my first magazine together when I was 19 years old and had been involved in magazines on some level for most of my life. So I was like, well, I could do a magazine. That's easy, Um, especially since it's something that I love. And therefore, Mm -hmm. I would be involved in polymer. I could still make my art but not have to depend on it and just be entrenched in this thing that I love. Um, And I thought there would be a couple of years' time that it would take me to put the money together to start it. Um, But I ended up with a a freelance job that paid me way too much money, and I just socked it all away until I had enough to do the magazine. Um, And then after that, it was a matter of of other people um, giving me their input and ideas about what it should be. And so although it's not ended up being a magazine that is representing necessarily the best of um, our community, it does, but not it, it's not its sole purpose now. Um, I think it's become kind of that uh, bridge between what Polymer Cafe was doing um, and what we could be, mm-hmm, and that it mm-hmm. brings people along from that point and then further um, gives them um, more information and inspiration and challenges to um, take their work to another level. So I think it's fulfilling a good purpose, and I and I like where it is now for for sure. Although it wasn't what it originally was. Uh, Was envisioned to be.
0: And when you say take to another level, because that's one of those catchphrases I hear a lot, do you mean, (laughs) you know, improve your craftsmanship?
2: Well, I think for everybody, there's a different purpose in in working in art. Um, It may be because they're trying to just fulfill. Um, their own personal need for expression. It may be because they, they want to do something creative, but it needs to also be accessible. Um, it may just be something to pass the time. It may be a hobby. So when right. I say the next level, that's really going to be a personal thing. Okay. Um, for some people, they want to sell more of their artwork. Um, and so they need to better understand the trends or or, or or what catches people's eyes. And for other people, they want to be able to better express themselves or um, maybe they're very particular about wanting to have um, highly honed skills. Right. So we address all of those things in the magazine. But it is a very personal thing as to why they're doing it and what that a next level would be for them.
0: Right. That's a good point. And you just said something, that trends. I was going to ask you, what are the trends right now in polymer clay, do you think?
2: Well, it's funny. I was just talking to my uh, associate uh, curator for the book. Um, we have this book coming out, Polymer Journeys, which is um, going to highlight uh, the last two years in polymer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we were discussing the various trends because how we, how we are going to organize the book will um, try to encompass that in sections rather mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. putting all jewelry in one section, all home decor in one section. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the trends have been exploring in other materials um, and bringing in other, other, um, uh, even uh, techniques from other areas, which we've always done. But for instance, we were discussing the fact there was a lot of um, clothing interest the last couple of years. Uh, Rachel Karen created a woven um, a jacket, mm-hmm, a little bolero-style mm-hmm. jacket that was at the um, uh, I can't remember which which one it was. It was the inorganic um, or the other one that was at. Uh, Racine last year. At the museum. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. She, she created that. Um, we have an artist in um, Australia who made an entire um, outfit out of faux bones and bits um, to um, commemorate uh, the aboriginals there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, and Jeff Dever in the inorganic uh, show at RAM actually uh, has a coat with these black pieces that were representing the form of his work without the color of his work, and I mm-hmm, thought that was mm-hmm. a really interesting aspect. Mm-hmm. But so this whole thing with clothing has come around um, that we haven't really seen an intense interest in before, I think. Um, magnets. <laughs> magnets have been a trend. Helen Briel's doing magnets. Melanie West has their front closure magnets. Um, another A number of other people are using magnets as a way to attach jewelry or, or brooches to clothing um, in ways that we haven't seen before. Um, So I think there's a lot of exploration, um, just pushing outside of what the the normal, we're going to make a piece of jewelry, going to make a piece of home decor, and polymer is going to be, um, it's all going to be about polymer. Um, Whereas I think there's a lot of polymer purist feelings in the last couple of decades, um, in the sense that if you worked in polymer, you should do everything in polymer. Mm -hmm. Um, I think people are pulling away from that a lot, and are really looking at all the other materials that you can combine it with, and taking it from "I work in polymer" to "I am an artist" and yeah. the material doesn't define me.
0: Correct, that's what I think is so. Uh, Helen is actually teaching on Craftcast, and I love the three-dimensional part of what she does. Is oh yeah, yeah, and I don't think about as well anymore. Is what is this made out of? It's just I love that. You know, I want that. Yeah, it's, yeah, um, and
2: and. And then we push that a lot in the magazine and on my blog as well because the idea of, of it being polymer is fantastic because polymer can do so much, but just because it can emulate so many different things doesn't mean you should always use polymer to emulate something. You sometimes should use the real material in order to express yourself and to put something together in a fashion that's going to say what you need to say or um, embody the type of aesthetic or beauty that you want, to, you want that piece to have. And uh, if you are restricted by only using polymer, you may be restricting your, your expression. Um, so we talk about that a lot, too.
0: That's a good point. Don't you think that's a bit of the exploration process? Like you have to spend your time learning your material to decide whether or not
2: you want to use it for the books? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And then, it, but that does potentially put you in a position where you only think about polymer. So if there are other outside influences, for instance, on the blog, we do... Um, at least once every other week, we do a piece that is not polymer, mm-hmm. even though it's a polymer blog, It's the Daily Polymer Arts blog. We do a piece that's not polymer, specifically because we need to, as, as artists, look at all types of art. Um, if we stay just as, as polymer artists looking at just polymer art, we're going to end up with um, kind of um, incestuous mm-hmm. no, I <laughs> agree. design in, yeah. in the work. Yeah. So looking at all kinds of, of work, and not just uh, cra- other crafts, and not just other three-dimensional work, but photography and, and right. painting and all those kinds of things can influence um, what we do in our own artwork and our own medium.
0: Well, it becomes technique-driven only if you don't get outside of that arena, I Thank think. Very
2: much so. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: No, I I think there's, but I think there is also an excitement with people to blend everything like that and to take from all the different arenas and and mush it all together. I mean, it's, you know, and then have a bunch of skills so you can make up what you want to do.
2: Right, right. Well, just the vastness of possibilities um, in in the art world, period. I mean, if you're not looking at... um, uh, all the different variations within all these mediums, you're missing out on so many possibilities, um, even though polymer can't necessarily do what a lot of other mediums do. Um, just being able to see the forms and the colors and the aspects that those artists are exploring is going to push your creativity and your yeah. um, your yeah. Of design. Yeah.
0: Do you think there's a lot more things to discover about polymer?
2: I, yes, And I say that tentatively um, because uh, I think a lot of people focus on that, on the fact that I'm going to discover the next new thing. They do. You're right. They do. Yeah. Yeah. And I I don't think that's, I mean, it's great. It's great when that happens. And I do a lot of that myself, but not because I want to discover the next new thing, but because I want to find another way to work with it to um, enable me to do something specific that I would like to see you know, in polymer, or I would like to be able to do with it. Um, but I, there was a lot of focus at one time, and I think it's died off a little bit the last year or two, um, where people were trying to make new techniques. Yeah, you're right. Get you're their right. Name known. Yeah, yeah, um, and, and I feel like that pulls away from the whole idea of being an artist. Um, if you end up doing the same techniques that everybody else is doing, but you do it in a way that says what you want to say, then that's more valid than trying to find a new technique so you can have your name attached to it.
0: I think it's fun. I mean, I love the idea, but I agree with you as well. I mean, there's lots of people painting with oil paints and they don't need to discover a new way to paint with them necessarily. Right. So
2: but, but being yeah. a new medium we have right. we have that in our in our you know most recent history all this new stuff that was found and right. there will be there will be new ways to use it and continuing um, to right. find new techniques and combinations. Um, but I, I, I hope people don't focus on that. It's the best ones came came along when somebody was incidentally looking for a way to do something and had to discover a new way to do it and something came out of that. Yeah, that's that's true.
0: That's true. Or I've learned from my baking friends that lots of desserts have been created out of mistakes and you have to quickly get into oh, something yeah, right? fabulous. <laughs> yeah. It's like it was going to be this, but now it's that and it's still fabulous. So,
2: Oh yeah. You can talk to most artists and ask them about some of their favorite pieces and some of them will be the ones that, that were initially a mistake. exactly, Or so not where they thought they were going to be going with it. Yeah. Um, but it, but, and that's a huge part of being an artist is being open to the idea of where something takes you. Um, As a writer, we have this thing about um, you often don't write your story if you're doing fiction in particular, um, but your characters write it for you. Yeah. They talk to you and they tell you and you kind of need to be open to the idea that your mind's going to meld things together aside from what you thought you were going to do. And that's just so exciting when that, that happens. And so being open to that's really important. I think it's everything. It's
0: exciting and it can make you break into a sweat. I asked Michael DeMang once, how did he know? And I love Michael DeMang's work. And I asked him, how do you know when a collage is done? He goes, because I've wrestled it to the ground. (laughs) And I thought, I got it. You know, it's like it's, you know, you won finally. And so I think it's sort of interesting, that whole process. It's sort of everything. There's been great quotes about that, like, you know, creativity going, you know, this is good, this is good, this is crap, this is crap, this is crap. Oh, wait, this might be good.
2: (laughs) We all do that, absolutely. (laughs) And if you're not doing that, then you need to ask, are you challenging yourself? Yeah,
0: Yeah, as an artist. I mean, you can be a hobbyist and just want to make a project and nothing wrong with that either. So, I mean, I'm all for that. You just want to have it come out right. So, it's, it's two different things. Is there something... About um, all that I really know about polymers, everything being a host of CraftCast and reading everything, but I don't uh-huh. have my, my hands in it. Is there something who you can say that if someone's new to polymer that they don't know about, that's like one of the reasons why you have to try it? Like what would be if you were trying to talk someone into it, you have to try this because it's what would be the thing? Because, you know, it just stares at you as color blocks, which are sort of, they're
2: sort of cool looking. <laughs> the reason I tell people, and I do this all the time, mind you, um, the reason I tell people they should try it out is because it has so many possibilities. And that's what grabbed me is the fact that you could do almost anything that you, that comes to mind. There is a way of doing it with polymer, a way of making something look like anything. But when I, ha- when I talk to people about doing it, I, I give them a book. Um, and there's a number of books, Donna Cato's book, uh, even Nan Roach's book, mm-hmm. um, any book that has a variety of techni- techniques in it for them to look through. And I'm like, look through it and see what grabs you. Mm-hmm. Um, there aren't too many techniques that a beginner can't try to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, there are a few, but um, a lot of them, especially in, in in the books that are out there, because not a lot of the books work with advanced techniques anyways. But if you go through a book and you open it up and you're like, oh my God, that. That item is just absolutely amazing. It totally grabs me. Right. I think. You should, I think if that's what it does, and you should, you should try it. You yeah, that's a good point. Try it. That's a very good you point. Know? It is endless
0: techniques because I just am thinking between you can do caning, transparent, mm-hmm. you know, just it's, sort of endless combinations. Yeah. So makeup foam.
2: Yeah. That you can use with polymer. You know, you can go from jewelry to home decor to sculpture to wall art to painting. Um, to, I mean, just. You know, if it's a craft, you can probably do it. (laughs) Yeah, no,
0: it's, it's, I mean, there's classes now at CraftCast where um, brilliant teachers like Mags Bonham and Cindy um, Pope, she's doing it in the metal clay, but Mags Mm -hmm. is cutting polymer with silhouette cutters, you know, the electronic cutters and inlaid uh... boxes that look like (laughs) the real thing. It's like, this is crazy. You know, it's really, it's pretty magical stuff that way. So it's... uh, it definitely yes. is. Um, can draw you in. Now, what do you think you've learned the most running a magazine? What was your like big
2: aha? Oh wow! Um, <laughs> uh, in this particular magazine, um, probably probably realizing the amount of detail that goes into working with an arts magazine, which was different. My, my previous magazines were almost all literary um, or photography and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. But um, this type of thing, the number of details that go to, into every article is absolutely astounding. Um, and I have a person who does nothing in the in the three or four weeks before we go to print, who does nothing but organize all those details because there's so many of them. Um, and it just, it just, uh, I mean, if anything, it just made me realize what we as artists really have to get involved in if we want to do anything besides create with our artwork. Mm-hmm. Um, perfectly fine, too. Not everybody wants to get their artwork out there. But if you want to get out there, there are a lot of things you have to track and a lot of things you have to do that you might not even think about, for instance, just photographing everything that you do yeah. um, and photographing it you know, with good quality and then recording what you've done and when you've done it or how you've done it and, and all of that Um um, artwork, especially in craft, because we do have to do some planning, um, is a lot of detail. Um, I don't know if that's a huge discovery with with what I did with the magazine, but that's whenever someone talks about what I didn't expect to be de- dealing with with the magazine, that's what I always think of. I'm like the amount of detail that we have to juggle is just incredible. And then on top of just the detail that goes into the article, the behind the scenes things, you know, getting permission and making sure everybody's accredited, uh, you know, correctly and whatnot, it's, it's a lot. It's a no, lot it's,
0: of I hear you. I keep lots of spreadsheets, is a lot of detail, you're right, right. <laughs> but it is fun and it's great fun. I mean, I know for me... Since I was, I was addicted to magazines since I was reading, I think the first one I was addicted to was 16 magazines. So I must have been oh. like 14 or something. And I've been addicted to magazines my whole life. I mean, sort of obsessed with making content. So it's, uh, and it is, there's a lot of details to yeah. keep in mind. You have to be passionate about it or you'd say, you know what? I'm not going to do this anymore today.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I have those days. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) Oh, what am I doing? But I can't think of anything else I'd rather do. So exactly. Yeah,
0: exactly. It's always fun. All right. So tell us about a little more about your upcoming book.
2: Uh, Polymer journeys. um, It was actually conceived when the magazine was conceived. Um, It's, The idea behind it is that um, uh, Polymer, especially still being a fairly new medium, really, I think, should be documented in some format. And yes, there's tons of stuff all over the Internet, but it's not always um, dated. You know, you don't know when it was made or when Mm -hmm, it was created mm -hmm, or -hmm. or whatnot. Um, And a lot of it is out there without attribution. Um, Things are floating around without people's names attached to it and whatnot. Um, And I felt like it would um, benefit the community first of all, to have something that actually documented what we've been doing. Um, Both because we can look back and see what we've done and have a sense of our own history, but also because um, we are still fighting to some extent um, uh, the idea of what is polymer and that uh, it should be considered a fine art medium. And to have something that documents the breadth of what polymer can do um, and all the variations in which it's being worked in um, right now and then we are planning to do this every two years um, that we would end up eventually having this history of it, mm-hmm. that there's a, a it brings them a, a more serious level of consideration to the art form, which is actually a big part of why we were doing the magazine in the first place as mm-hmm. well, was mm-hmm. to have mm-hmm. stuff out there that was not just, you know, basic. Um, but this is going to include, um, I think we have, we haven't sent out the, um, the acceptance letters yet, so I can't mention anybody in particular. Okay. <laughs> um, but we have something like 120 artists that are going to be included in this. Mm-hmm. And it's not just the images of their artwork. We actually have sketches and process photos and photos mm-hmm, of their mm-hmm. studios and all kinds of wonderful little peeks behind the scenes. That's I love so that. that. Right. I mean it's fantastic. To be able yeah. Not just see the art, but just to understand the creativity behind it. Yeah. And yeah. so for the artists other other artists in this community and in, in other crafts as well, they'll be able to see a little bit more behind and how things came to into being. And those aspiring artists in the polymer community can see some of the variations and processes. There's not just one way to get to that end goal of a perfect piece. You know, people have all different kinds of ways of doing it. Um, and, and and then anyone outside the polymer community that's seen it can see you know just the depth of, of of attention that goes into creating something and the and the levels of design that uh, the various artists um, have. Well, don't you think
0: some people think, especially if they love a particular artist, it's so great to see behind the scenes because you start thinking, oh wait, they're a person too. They put their pants yeah. on one leg at a time.
2: <laughs> right. Well, there's this thing, um, I don't know if you've experienced this, but as an artist, when I would go to a show, because a lot of the shows that I used to show at were um, conventions for particular genres Mm -hmm. of, Mm -hmm. of, of media usually, but I would go there and I would teach classes or do presentations or whatnot. And when I was present and I was selling artwork as well in the galleries or whatnot, I would sell so much more simply because people got to meet me mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, and got to know me. And then once they got to know me, they felt like I was kind of, you know, they knew me. I was kind of their friend or right. whatnot. Yeah, and, uh, and they so they went and bought their friend's work instead of this anonymous person's work. Um, and so, yes, being able to see behind the scenes and see what these people do and you feel like you know them, you're going to get... Um, that particular artist is going to get a lot more attention from people because they're going to, Oh, that's that one I saw. And she has that great thing in her studio where she did these fantastic yeah, sketches yeah. for it. You know, there's a better understanding of it and, 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 a closer connection to that artist for the people who are viewing it. And then just, to, <laughs> just basic kind of, um, our, our, society is really into, um, well, reality shows, for instance, right? Mm -hmm. Um, We'd like to see what people are doing. We'd like to see Mm -hmm. what happens, you know, in somebody's life. And so this is not exactly that, but it's along those same lines of not just seeing the end result, but understanding what what happens with people, you know, or what they do or what they go through. And so there's a little voyeurism in this um, that I think our society's Um, a little too addicted to these days
0: (laughs) yeah we assume we can watch everything on video immediately
2: yeah i mean but uh i think this is the right kind of aspect of of being able to look behind the scenes and see what people are doing um to create these these beautiful things that's a good pages
0: it's a really good tip too for people because then you're buying like you said from a friend and not from a stranger it's different
2: oh yeah yeah, and it makes a huge difference if you can make an appearance, or if you are selling your your items, um, you know, like a fair or whatnot, to introduce yourself as the artist and let them know you're there to ask questions and yeah. that kind of thing helps tremendously with your um, sales. Which I know is a, is hard for a lot of artists. A lot of artists are not like you know, get out there and talk about themselves, but uh, it does certainly help if you can do that. Yeah, no, I
0: agree 100%. All right, so what are you looking forward to next? Where's the thing that's in your, hasn't made your to do list tomorrow, but you're like, I want to get to this at some
2: point? <laughs> um, personally, my big thing is just for me to spend more time in, in the studio and making my own work. I, I okay. my, my mind does not stop designing. Um, items, you know, so I have little sketches and some stuff just actually still lives in my head, um, but I don't get to actually make it that often, so it's one of my New Year's resolutions this year is to um, to make more time to work in the studio on my own work, because I do still do work, but oftentimes it's for the magazine, it's for an article for the magazine, or um, testing somebody's um, article that they have sent us, and I want to do more of my own work so I can actually um, I, I feel <laughs> I say this in public, but I feel like a bit of a fraud sometimes when I'm talking about being an artist, and yet I haven't spent any time in the studio in the last three months, you know. Um, it's not that I don't think like an artist and 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 feel like I'm still an artist. I just I feel like I need to be more active as an artist. Um,
0: Well, it's hard. I mean, you know, it's hard to schedule. It's one thing to say in New Year's Mm -hmm. resolution. I'm doing the same thing myself. I have hundreds of classes at craftcast.com. How many have I taken? I don't know, maybe one. (laughs) And so I, and the only way to do it is to actually write it down in my schedule, like everything else. It's Mm -hmm. like these three days is for that. Don't even think about anything else. Right.
2: Well, I've, uh, I've, I've added a bit of accountability to it this year because I actually had this plan last year that didn't work out so well. Right. Um, but in my blog, there is yeah. a challenge. Yeah. Uh, we, I do it three times a week and there's a little challenge, little thing that you can do to push your creativity and my accountability is that I'm trying to do all of them. So <laughs> I'm trying to do three little things a week at the very least. Um, and a big part of doing this is not just so that I can still call myself an artist, but I personally have a um, have a hard time when I haven't been creating. I, yeah. My moods are different. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and yeah. My, yeah. my yeah. outlook is different. <laughs> if I'm not actually doing creating for my own self um, and getting that self-expression out, I, I'm very um, restless. Yeah, really, I, it. I hear really, you. I hear you.
0: Yeah. People don't want to be around you, in other words. I totally understand that part. <laughs> it's not safe for other people at that point.
2: So it's like, go well, make actually, something. for the other people, no one – I'm. I'm not around people. I work by myself in, um, you know, at home at one of my two homes. I I, I live half time in California and half time in Colorado right now, um, and I spend it by myself. And everybody, all my staff is remote. So I have a handful of part time people, and then just myself and my dogs. That's about it. So people don't have to deal with my restlessness.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but I have a feeling you're also a one of the, and I'm talking this because I might know someone else like it, sort of obsessed Uh, perfectionist. Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah, that could work in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: I hear ya. I hear ya. Well, so looking forward to, we can say, looking forward to having more time alone to create, which is really a gift to give yourself. Yes, yes. I am looking forward to that. It is a good thing. Well, thank you so much, Ms. Sage Bray, the publisher and editor of Polymer Arts Magazine. You can find her if you Google that word, uh, Polymer Arts, thepolymerarts.com. The Beautiful magazine. Thank you so much Great. for coming on and chatting.
2: Great. Thank you, Allison. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that.
0: Uh, go check out a copy of the magazine, the Polymer Arts Magazine. Uh, and this is how I feel that no matter what medium you're working in, it's great to look at magazines from other mediums. You'll get ideas. It's, uh, you know, and I know most of us artists, uh, we love all the visuals, so it doesn't matter where you get it from. So check that out. Plus, if you have the CraftCast app, which you can get over at the iTunes store, you'll hear bonus material from Sage Bray, where she tells you um, her best advice for getting your work or an article published in a magazine? I know that's a popular question uh, that we get here at CraftCast.com. So check that out. It's a bonus download. Uh, You can get it on your app, and you can get the app for just a few dollars, uh, and you get to hear everything forever. uh, Over at iTunes, or there's a link at CraftCast.com that'll point you right there. So there we go. I just want to end with saying we have some great classes coming up at CraftCast.com on, um, I love this one. <laughs> I love them all, but I'm, I'm going to feature one here. Uh, adding Color to Metal with Julia Ray from England. I'm just telling you this class is chock full of things you would never have thought about. Well, I certainly didn't, and I do put thought into it. How to add color to your metal, whether it's silver, you know, sterling, metal clay, copper, whatever it is. Uh, Some fantastic ideas and techniques. So go over to craftcast.com and look that up by Julia Ray. You'll love it. All right, so here it is, my quote of the week. I saw this on a sign, so think visual. Here we go. Earth, E-A-R-T-H, earth without art art is just eh eh get it i love that earth without art is just eh so there you go oh thank you for coming and listening to us today you can follow us on facebook pinterest twitter youtube get the app for all the bonus information come on over to www.craftcast.com and you know what i have to say get your butt in the chair And keep crafting.
1: Just get yourself right into your chair. Come on, listen. You can learn to create something new. It starts inside you.